Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Jay Cost, who has an uh, article in the current issue about something shocking I've never heard of before, government corruption. Is that right, Jay? That's right. In fact, I just finished a whole book on the subject. I, I meant it as a lighthearted, sort of a beach book, you know, lighthearted <laughs> romp through the dirty, grimy backwater of American political history. Well, having lived in Boston for eight years, I have no idea what you mean by this government corruption thing. But in the latest, uh, your latest piece for The Standard, you talk about uh, private interests, in this case, insurance companies being brought into what? Do the government's dirty work? Well, sort of. I mean, what what often happens in our government, by the way, it's a very old phenomenon. I mean, it dates all the way back to the 1790s. Is the government is not omnipotent. The government doesn't, for instance, employ doctors. It doesn't employ bankers. It doesn't employ businessmen to make the economy grow. It has to, if it wants economic growth, if it wants Medicare, if it wants, you know, farmers to have a stable income, all this other stuff, it has to subcontract. And in so doing, Michael, what happens is, is the government becomes implicitly, implicitly on the hook for the profit margin of their subcontractors. And we see this with Obamacare. What, what, what is the essence of Obamacare? Obamacare is about providing health insurance to uninsured Americans. Okay, fantastic. But remember, the public option, government-provided insurance was defeated. So all of the insurance that gets provided is provided through private uh, businesses. Some cooperatives or nonprofit insurers, but most of it's the private for-profit insurers. And for all of us, if you're an average citizen, thanks to Obamacare, you are compelled by the individual mandate to participate in Obamacare. But if you are an insurance company, there's no such compulsion. You only get into the game if you believe you're going to make a profit. And because the government is on the hook for providing people with insurance now, it is implicitly on the hook for providing insurance companies with profit. But why wouldn't insurance companies simply make a profit because of all these new mandated uh, patients? Isn't that enough for them? Well, that's exactly the point, is that they are now, you know, they are now embedded in the, in the system. They're part of the log roll, if you will. I mean, that's a classic term for political corruption, if there ever was one. The idea of sweeping up as many different and varied interest groups as you possibly can so you can't be beaten. In this case, the log roll includes the very poor, the working poor, the uninsured, even people on Medicaid uh, on the one hand, and on the other hand, for-profit insurance companies that had previously priced these people out of the insurance market. And what is so interesting and why I wrote the piece was at the time Obamacare was being debated, the insurance companies were looking to lobby as aggressively as they could to get the best deal possible for themselves. And they didn't like the finished product. So they contracted PricewaterhouseCoopers to put out a, you know, an analysis of the impact of insurance premiums on families. It was very negative. And here we are, just last week, the insurance companies, you know, after having lobbied, quote unquote, against Obamacare, now they're defending it. Uh, in front of the Supreme Court in the upcoming King versus Burwell case on whether or not states that didn't create their own exchanges get subsidies. This is a classic example, in other words, of how the government can capture private interests and then how private interests turn around and capture the government right back. But uh, back to the premise that the, the it's one thing to say the insurance companies are going to get new patients. It's another thing to guarantee that those new patients are going to be profitable for them or meet a certain profit margin. Isn't it the, on the insurance companies? Hey, we're subsidizing these people's care. You, they've got to sign up for your product. You've got to make a product they want to buy at the price they want to buy. 
Well, I would say the analogy here is something akin to Medicare Advantage. Okay, Medicare Advantage is anybody listening um, who's, who's a senior citizen, there's a very good chance that they have Medicare Advantage. Medicare Advantage is actually the third iteration of the government trying to contract with private insurance companies to provide Medicare benefits. They tried it in the 80s. It didn't work very well. They tried it again in the 90s. It didn't work very well. And the reason was the reimbursement rates weren't high enough, so they couldn't get insurers to take, take up the claims. But finally, or to take up, you know, make an offer. On, 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 you know, private provided Medicare. What finally happened with Medicare Advantage in the, in the odds is that they beefed up the reimbursement rates to bring, pe- to bring insurance companies into the system. And uh, so my contention is something like this is going to happen again with Obamacare. We, we get down the road. Well, first of all, in the short term, the insurers, the insurers all have a backstop with the, uh, with the risk corridor bailout program, the insurer bailout that Jeffrey Anderson and I have written extensively about. But I'm talking afterwards, later on down the road, if we get 10, 15 years into the Obamacare system and the insurance companies aren't making money off of it anymore and they start dropping out, the government, I guarantee you, is going to respond by increasing the reimbursement rates to insurers to make sure they're making a, a quote-unquote reasonable profit. This has happened time and time again, and I think this is exactly why the insurance companies have gone from being opponents of Obamacare to supporters, because they know now that all of the people who are being provided health insurance on the marketplace are now capable of lobbying the government to make sure they keep their subsidies flowing, and that implicitly means insurer profits flowing. Uh, but isn't there a danger that if the uh, system starts to uh, break down because insurance leave it, that the people who support Obamacare will step up what they really want, which is simply to say, hey, you know what? You're absolutely right, private sector. You can't make any money doing this. But we're the government. We don't make money. We lose money on purpose. We'll be happy to have a government-run health care system now. You know, there's in theory, that's a possibility. But I, I, I would suggest, though, that that this never happened, um, and and I would I would sp- point specifically to the win- to the late fall of 2009 when there was supposed to be a debate about the so-called public option, which is what you're talking about. That case, they they had 60 votes in the Senate, 60 Democrats in the Senate. They had 260 some votes in the House, and they couldn't get a public option through. And not only that, but the president wouldn't even come out and insist on a public option. He played it safe. He played it either way. And if you look very carefully, you know, you sort of kind of pour back through the old records, you can see very clearly the reason why a public option was never seriously on the table. And that was because the insurance companies were working aggressively behind the scenes. And if you look at how much money the insurance industry do- uh, donates to uh, the United States politicians in Congress and, and the president as well. It's really unrealistic to think that this government with that kind of influence is going to be able to overcome the insurers and do something like a public option. In retrospect, I think the debate over the public option was really little more than just kabuki theater. It was just disposable, meaningless uh, drama for the sake of the left-wingers to get them invested in health care reform and keep their hopes alive. By the way, based on your comments about what's going to happen, you seem to assume that Obamacare will be with us for, well, forever. So you've written off any hope that we will get out of the Obamacare business? Well, not necessarily. I mean, I do think that, um, you know, the King versus Burwell case, I think, is enormously important. But, uh, you know, if we assume that the federal government, or excuse me, if the Supreme Court punts it, 
um, on this, and they, they let Obamacare continue on down the road. I, I have to admit I am pessimistic. And I'm pessimistic because, you know, look, the insurance companies, Michael, if you look in 2008, they donated overwhelmingly to the Democrats. In 2010, when the political tide turned, they donated overwhelmingly to the Republicans. The key touchstone for me will be whether or not this Congress, with this overwhelming Republican majority, whether or not they take up the insurance company bailout, uh, known as the, the risk corridor program. If they go after risk corridors and make a serious effort at getting a risk corridor repeal bill, to the president's desk, then I think there's a chance for repeal. If they don't, then I think that they're just going to live with it. Because, frankly, these companies, these corporations, these interest groups, Michael, they buy off both sides. What so, they do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they attempt to buy off both sides, but eventually the sides have to answer to the voters. And if the Obamacare product continues to stink, I, I don't know how much you can pay to get people to go vote for it. I don't know if you saw an interesting piece in the Bloomberg had the other day on the rise of doctors now having multiple patient visits. That is, instead of just Jay and his doctor, it's Jay and three other guys who also have whatever Jay has, which I'm not going to mention here on the air, but it rhymes with ED. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, you're sitting there with these other guys, and <laughs> and you think, I mean, if that really is the kind of fiscal pressure that's being put on the, you know, free market medical system, that doctors are having to consider options like that, at some point, don't patients and angry, upset uh, insurance premium payers become more important than the checks that the big insurance companies can write? I have my doubts. Um, so, so my new book is coming out on February 10th. It's called Republic No More. You can get it on Amazon. Just want to get that plug in. And I bring it up now because Chapter 11, I look at Medicare. Okay, Medicare is probably the best corollary to Obamacare that we have in the country's the political economic history of the country. Okay, Medicare was a disaster from the word go. As early as 1970, Russell Long was saying it was a quote unquote runaway program, and it has never been fixed. Medicare remained essentially unreformed from the origination in 1965, and it went and it's gone unreformed despite the massive cost overruns to the system and also the uh, occasionally perverse, perverse side effects that it has on, in the ways it distorts the market. Uh, and the, the, the rampant fraud and abuse in the Medicare system is enough that makes our, you know, the debates we had a couple of years ago about, um, you know, earmarks, the annual level of fraud and abuse in Medicare makes that look like penny ante poker. Uh, and yet it goes unreformed, absolutely unreformed. And not only does it go unreformed, but attempts that seem successful to reform it, as happened with the Balanced Budget Act in 1997, a seemingly successful attempt was largely undone later on uh, because, the, because the medical service industry is now hand in glove with the federal government. And just as we are un incapable, seemingly, of reforming Medicare, and by the way, we're incapable of reforming Medicare, even if the actuaries are telling us that there is a demographic time bomb ticking within Medicare that is going to blow up the entire federal budget. We still can't do anything about it. And I just have a hard time seeing how Obamacare will be any different. 
Uh, always chipper and cheerful to speak with you, Jay Cost. By the way, I told you it. Take it to the beach; it'll cheer you up. It's a, it's a, it's a page turner. Jay Cost's new book is "A Republic No More." Thank you so much for joining us on this weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.